0: Last week, if you remember, we looked at children and parents, and Paul gave a few uh, reasons, uh, arguments, encouragements for children to obey their parents, and today we're going to look at the instruction that is specifically addressed to husbands in verse 4 of chapter 6. I was thinking about and having, you know, conversations. I talk with a lot of you and with a lot of people during the week, and there is this this general sense to varying degrees, but there's this general sense right now of concern, uh, anxiety, worry, just you know the instability that we often see around us and internationally, nationally, whatever that might be, and I was just thinking about what the, what is the best thing that I can do for you as your pastor when things are Uncertain? I mean, they're always uncertain. We just, sometimes it's more apparent to us than others. But I think the wrong thing for me to do would be to stick my finger in the wind and see what's blowing around right now and try to respond to that. That's an exhausting task. I believe that what God has called me to, as your pastor, is to, every week, open the Scriptures... Explain what they say, what I believe that the Holy Spirit is intending in these texts and to equip you to trust in the Word of God. Because there is nothing that will sustain you through whatever is in the future other than a confidence in the Word of God. It's the only way we know God. It's the only way we see how He has acted in the past and what He has promised to do in the future. So I just, I want to give you an encouragement as your pastor, that I I know that things are uncertain. I know that things feel shaky. But the confidence that we have as children of God goes far beyond our circumstances and far beyond what you perceive or feel. The Word of God is sure and true. The psalmist says it is fixed in the heavens firmly. So I just want to encourage you, whether we're talking about fathers, children, children, Holiness, ethics, conduct, whatever it is, all of this is being done in an effort to build your confidence in the Word of God, which is the only thing that will get you through. So I don't want to just respond to everything that's going on. I want to be proactive, and there will certainly be times where we address specific issues. But by and large, my job, my calling, is to put a foundation under your feet. So I just want to encourage you with that. That is my understanding of what God has called me to do, and I strive to be faithful in that. And I hope that you are helped. I hope that your confidence in the Bible grows as a result of being here and being involved in the body. It's a work that only God can do, and I am thrilled to be a part of it. So for this morning, it's my little parenthesis, I'm done. We're going to look at chapter 6 of Ephesians. Chapter 6, verse 4. We're going to see this as we get on into the later part of the sermon for today. But in my preparation, I was reading uh, just statistically about the effects of homes where a father is present and homes where a father is absent or unengaged. And the results of those studies are staggeringly troublesome. The emphasis that the Bible puts on fatherhood, the weight that I personally feel as a dad and and the responsibility that God has given me in that role are why I chose to not just lump this verse in with the previous three, but to take a whole Sunday and talk about this because it is so critical to our families, our church, our, our society around us that dads be there, that they be engaged, they be plugged in, active in the training and discipline of their kids. So there's, there's a lot of impulse behind this message and I believe that it's what I need to hear and hopefully it'll be an encouragement for you. So open your Bibles if you haven't done so. We're just going to read the one verse today or you can just follow along. This is Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction Of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, now as we come to you and seek your help once again, I pray that you would be here through your Spirit and through your word and minister to us the truth that needs to be heard. Thank you, Lord, that because of what Christ has done, what we'll celebrate at the table later this morning, we can call you Father. And regardless of how our earthly fathers conducted themselves or didn't conduct themselves, we have a heavenly Father who is perfect. Who never fails us. So I pray that we would, all of us as, as dads would take our cues from you. We are called to imitate you. And so Father, we ask for your help. I ask that this morning we would be challenged and encouraged to follow more closely after you. So please come, please come and do this work, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, looking now at our text uh, in in chapter 6, you can see that this verse 4 is divided into two sections. Okay, there is a... Negative warning, look at the very beginning of the, the verse here. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. That's the, that's the don't do this part. And then there's a positive aspect, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Now there's a lot of crossover and we're going to see that as we keep going. But I'm going to structure this message loosely around that division. Of the warning, the, the don't kind of stay away from this. And then the positive instruction of here is what you ought to do. Just as it was significant, if you remember last week, I said it was significant to me that Paul addressed children directly, and we talked about that a little bit. I think it's also significant that he addresses fathers directly. This teaching is addressed to fathers. Some of the commentators that I was reading say that, well, this is just Paul's way of referring to parents in general, and it's really, it's equal for both father and mother to take this on. But Paul knows the word for parents. He just used it in verse 1. If he wanted to say that, he would have said it, but he doesn't. He addresses this teaching primarily and specifically to fathers because the instruction here is not for both parents equally, but is primarily for the fathers. And I'm going to explain a little bit more about why I think that. So why... Does Paul specifically address fathers? Because God, in his wisdom, and by design, has placed fathers as the responsible party for their children. We carry a significant responsibility as dads. And this is by design. Just as a husband is the head of his wife, He is the head of his household, which includes his children. And he is to take primary responsibility in their upbringing. This doesn't mean that mom is hands-off or that she's uninvolved or disengaged. It does not mean that, like, you can get away with sassing your mother, but you better respect your father. That's not at all what Paul is getting at here. But as men, as husbands, as fathers, we are called to this unique and tremendous responsibility of raising our kids. So the warning here to us dads, do not provoke your children to anger. What does it mean to provoke? <laughs> I think we could probably all fill in the blank here. <laughs> to poke, push, aggravate. Maybe your version says exasperate. We know that feeling. It's here's here's how I was thinking about it. It is in, in terms of parenting. Requiring an outcome that is impossible to achieve. In other words, having really unrealistic expectations, putting these burdens, so to speak, on your kids, knowing that there's no way they can follow through. That will provoke them, that will exasperate them. Or requiring obedience in areas that you have not yet taught them about. That will provoke, that will push, that will get them into a corner. And Paul says, fathers, do not do that. Do not provoke your children to anger. Children can be pushed to a place of anger or bitterness by a father who is unreasonable in his expectations for them. This is something that I'm continually learning as a dad as I think back about most of the times that I have been frustrated with my boys, or, or responded in a way that is less than Christ-like. It has been when they do not act like adults. You know what I'm saying? I, I have put this expectation on my 8 or 9 or 13-year-old that they should think and process and respond like an adult who has had 40 years of experience doing this. And so in my sin, in my failure to obey this text, I've responded harshly or inappropriately. That's what Paul's talking about. He says don't do that. Don't provoke them. Don't exasperate them. You will exasperate your child if you punish them for doing something they had no idea was even wrong. That's your your job as a parent, as a father. to Keep the expectations clear. And I, I think that built into this warning, when Paul says don't, Don't provoke your children. I think there's a call for fathers to be clear. I think there's a call for fathers to be clear. Here's what I mean by that. Does your child know what you expect from them? Are are the standards of your home, are the requirements for obedience clear? Is there a clear expectation for conduct, attitude, behavior, all that kind of stuff? Or is it kind of foggy? And then if they don't really know what's going on, then you you respond to that. I think in the warning to not provoke our children, to not exasperate them, there is a call for clarity. Have standards. That's appropriate. Have boundaries. But make sure that they are clear Standards and visible boundaries that your kids know about. Nothing is going to frustrate your child more than getting whacked for doing something and they had no idea that it was even wrong in the first place. That will exasperate them and provoke them. Now, let me ask this What happens, dads, when we do this, when we provoke our children? What, what happens then? My, my prayer and what I've been praying all week and all morning is that all of us as dads would take this instruction today and put it into practice to greater degree. But the reality is, is we're going to fail at this. And there are going to be times when you respond in a sinful way to your kids or you do provoke them or you exasperate them. What then? What do we do? Ephesians 4.1, Paul says this. I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all, now listen to these terms, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain unity. So let's say you blow your lid with your kids. You've exasperated them, the the situation's there, you you responded in anger, whatever the case. What you need to do and what will go a long way in restoring that relationship with your child, is to humbly come to them and say, look, I'm sorry. I overreacted. I messed up. And what a wonderful opportunity to show in very visible form the grace and forgiveness that God has extended to you. I just think this is an opportunity that we cannot afford to pass up. Now, most of us men are a little bit more bent towards pride and we're unwilling a lot of times to admit that we were wrong. This is especially easy when kids are young because you can explain anything, right? You can explain away anything and they don't yet get it. And it's easy sometimes to just write off our prideful response, our stubbornness as dads and say, oh, they don't get it anyways. Yes, they do. They might not be able to articulate it back to you. They know exactly what's going on. And for you, to humble yourself, to do what the Bible commands us to do and be humble and gentle and patient. It's going to go a long way with your kids. You are going to mess up. I am going to mess up. But when you do, don't just keep letting that build and build until it blows sometime. It's okay to admit that you were wrong and to come to your child and say, Look, I know I, know I screwed up. I'm sorry and use that opportunity to explain and demonstrate to them the forgiveness and the grace of God, which has been so undeservedly handed to you through Christ. It's a wonderful opportunity. Now look at the second half of this verse. Ephesians 6, 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but, here's the positive, bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Maybe your translation says something like nurture and admonition. Whatever the case, the idea here is that of discipline and care. Care and instruction. We talked about nurture. It was one of the words that Paul used with husbands and wives. It's kind of caring and development. And also the instruction, teaching them what is the right thing. The, The primary job of a Christian dad is to instruct his children about the truths of the gospel and then teach them how to live that out in their life. Okay, some of us have a good handle on the theology. We understand in principle what this means, but we need help in putting that into practice. Others of us are good at doing the thing, enforcing the rules, having the standard, but we're a little shy on the principle, the biblical reality that undergirds those behaviors and those corrections, which is why Paul includes both instruction and discipline, the, what you ought to do and how to carry this out in the life of your family. When Paul uses the word discipline here, he is referring, this is my definition of discipline, godly correction that will guide and direct a child's life. Okay, so when Paul used discipline, I'm seeing that as godly correction that will guide and direct a child's life. We all have desires for our kids, right? Even when they're very young, you say, man, when they grow up, I hope they're whatever. It might be a vocational thing, it might be a characteristic or whatever. But the point of a Christian father, why God placed you where you are, is so that you can offer godly correction not just worldly correction not just morals not just do what i say but godly correction that will put them on a path of lifelong obedience to god if a children is if a child is unwilling to obey you as a father they will not submit themselves to god in many ways dads you represent our heavenly father to that child and the instruction that you give them is far more than in the moment it is training them it is teaching them for a life of obedience to God. So when Paul uses this word, he is referring to this kind of godly correction. And in the Bible, it is assumed that parents discipline their kids. This is not an anomaly. This is not something unusual. In Hebrews chapter 12, there's a section about this, and I want to read just part of it because I think it's very Relevant to what we're talking about. Hebrews twelve started in verse nine. The writer says, Besides this, we have all had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But God disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness for those who have been trained by it. It's Hebrews 12, 9 through 11. There is an assumption in the writing of the New Testament and the Old Testament that a father disciplines his children. This should not be a foreign concept to us. And yet, I believe we should let the principles in the Bible dictate What that discipline looks like. Think of what we just read in Hebrews. The outcome of God's discipline is righteousness, holiness. It's not just "Mm," keep you down when you do something wrong. It is trying to shape you in a direction. Dads, we need to have the same kind of idea when we're disciplining our kids. That it is not just a response to a behavior or an attitude that is contrary to my will. It is shaping the child. To live a life of obedience to God. But today, in our general communities, culture, whatever you want to call it, the idea of discipline is antiquated, out of date. That's what antiquated means. Martin Lloyd-Jones, in his excellent commentary on Ephesians, talks about the fact that discipline has been all but abandoned That was like 50 or 60 years ago. (laughs) Things have gotten a little bit more interesting since then. The idea that a parent would correct or change or discipline the behavior of a child is unthinkable to many of these modern, enlightened, progressive thinkers because, come on, how? How could you crush the will of that sweet, innocent little child? Ask me, I know. <clears throat> that sweet, innocent little child is sinful through and through. And they are in desperate need of godly discipline. Or it'll run off the rails. We see this all around. We're going to get into a little bit of that later as we get going. So depending on your personality, Dad, you might tend towards more of a strict, authoritarian, kind of do what I say kind of a thing and there are certainly appropriate times for that. There are places where your child must obey what you say, regardless. That's an important thing. But I feel, just in my gut, in my experience, and from what the Word says, we are far more leaning towards this kind of, we, we know how to require obedience. We know that it has to be just, it has to be right. So what I want to do is not so much tell you how this should go, but give you a couple of warnings about how this might be abused. So this is where some of the crossover happens, where before he was talking about exasperating children, and now he's saying, but it's the responsibility of the father to discipline. So what I want to do is just give three examples of how you might exasperate your child through discipline. And we'll talk about how to do this in a positive sense, but I just want to explain this to to keep us from some of these dangers, because these are things that I have or do struggle with and I know that I'm not the only one. So three things. This will answer the question in regards to discipline how might a father exasperate his child or frustrate his child? Okay? So three things. First, we can provoke our children to anger through a lack of self-control. Through a lack of self-control. In situations where discipline is required a father must be first in control of himself before he attempts to control the child. Too often we hear about this going sideways. Where out of anger, frustration, the parent responds to the situation and the child ends up being on the receiving end of your loss of control. That's not what godly discipline is and that will exasperate or damage your child. If you need to step away, if you need to cool down for a minute, collect your thoughts, let the emotion settle down a little bit, I've I've been there, I know, then do that. Your child should never be on the receiving end of your loss of control, Dad. Do you realize that in your home, because of the way God made you, you are likely the strongest person in your home, the most authoritative You represent way more than you think you represent in your home. And when that kind of authority and strength and power are wielded unpredictably or out of a loss of control, that will damage your child. I'm not saying there's never a time for an intense response. There is. But don't let it be out of a loss of your control. That will exasperate Your child. Next, we can exasperate our kids in discipline through a lack of consistency. Through a lack of consistency. Now, I mean consistency both between parent and child and between husband and wife. (laughs) You do not want to create a situation where your child can play mom off of dad, right? And and assume that if they don't get their way here, well, they can get it over here. (laughs) You're chuckling because you know this happens. There needs to be consistency. Dad, this is your job to lead in. Talk with your wife. Determine what does it look like for us to consistently parent and discipline and nurture our children. The parent who is not consistent in their conduct cannot truly exercise discipline in the case of the child. A parent who does one thing today and then something totally different the next day is unpredictable. Just think if if that was the way it was with us and God, our Heavenly Father. What if every time we sinned or messed up, it was like, oh man, I don't know what's going to happen. He could do this or he could do this. Where would that put us? We'd be in a constant nail-biting thing. What's going to go on, right? Don't let that be the case in your home. Set clear boundaries and enforce those boundaries consistently so that your child knows If I cross this line, this is what's going to happen. Children need structure. They need boundaries. And they need you, Dad, to set the example in this. So let there be consistency. Let them know this is what happens and then follow through on that. It will be for their good. And failure to be consistent will exasperate your child. Third. We can exasperate our kids by being unwilling to hear their side of the story. Now before I say any more on this, I want to say that I'm not, I'm not endorsing this idea of letting your child talk their way out of the ticket, so to speak. Right? I'm not saying that, I mean sometimes it is just cut and dried <laughs> and they are in the wrong and you know exactly what to do and you ought to do that. However, especially as kids get older, it is important that we try to understand the whole situation before judgment is pronounced. You familiar with the Habeas Corpus Act, which, which says it's, it's wrong, it's unjust for someone to be held without trial? We'd say, yep, that's right. I wouldn't want to be thrown in prison for no reason, just be held there. Well, are you acting the same way with your child? Are you assuming that you know exactly what happened? Maybe you didn't see the whole thing. Maybe there's an explanation that your child could say. So I'm, I'm not saying that you should give the child the authority to decide if they should be disciplined or not. Don't hear me say that. But as Christian parents, we ought to be willing to hear, you know, just, this is what I saw. This is what I think happened. Is that right? What, what do you think happened? And if you're willing to listen, then you have to be willing to admit that perhaps you didn't know everything. And you need to change something. We can really exasperate our kids by just being unwilling to hear from them. So, I'd encourage you to keep that kind of communication open. Ask questions and be willing to change things if they need to be. So, there's just a few examples of how not to do this and how we can really easily exasperate our children. So, what should we do? Paul says, Raise them in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Well, what does that mean? And the best advice that I can give you is to imitate God as our Heavenly Father. And I know that sounds like, oh, that's the church answer. Well, yep, we're in church, so I'm going to give you church answers. Ephesians 5, verse 1, Paul opens the chapter by saying, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Maybe some of you, like I alluded to earlier, maybe some of you don't have a good earthly example of what what a father is. Maybe your father was out of the picture. Maybe your dad didn't discipline out of love, but was very harsh. And when you hear the instruction that, hey, you gotta, you gotta be a good dad, you're like, I don't even know what that means. And if there are specifics, but I wanna just give the principle today. If, if you want help with this, if you need to know, I don't know everything, but between me and the other elders who have walked through life before, we would love to just make a plan with you. If this is something that you're unsure about, Talk to us. That's why we're here. But the general overarching principle for biblical fatherhood is to conduct ourselves as God acts towards us. Imitate God through the power of his spirit, under the guidance of his word. Imitate God in the way that he responds to us. We look to our heavenly father. We just saw this in Hebrews 12, where God disciplines those whom he loves. And in that text, there's a quote, From the Old Testament, it says, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. This is the way that God responds towards us. He corrects us through his word, through his people, often speaking through brothers and sisters. And this is our responsibility as biblical fathers. We must Discipline our kids. It is a necessary part of parenting. A failure to consistently discipline your kids will bring ruin upon them. Catch that? If you are hands-off in this and you have the mindset that, well, they're going to figure it out. Everybody makes mistakes. It's true. Everyone makes mistakes. But you, specifically dads, have been placed in the life of your child so that you will obey this text and raise them, bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord, modeling your parenting after our Heavenly Father and the good help of those around you. So that is what we ought to do. The phrase discipline and instruction here indicates to me that the Father is the primary one who is responsible for also teaching his kids about the gospel. It's not just that dad is the authoritative, rock-solid figure in the home. He is also to engage in the instruction of his children. Discipline and instruction. Paul includes both of these things. This is not primarily the job of the church. This is not primarily the job of Sunday school teachers, of uh, extended family, of friends, even of your wife, dad. This is primarily your responsibility. Like I said before, that doesn't mean mom can't do anything. She ought to. But you are the one that has been biblically charged with raising and instructing your children in the Lord. Those other things are important. Being involved in a church, having godly friends around that can reinforce the things that you are teaching your children is so important. But they are not primary, Dad. You are. You are the primary voice in the life of your child. I titled the sermon today, The Responsibility and the Joy of Biblical Fatherhood. And I think this is one of the areas where there is so much joy. The Bible tells us that we are responsible for passing on the truth of the gospel to the next generation. I want to read you something from Psalms Psalm 78, you don't have to turn, you can just listen. Psalm 78, verse two, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from our children, but tell them to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. It's our joy and privilege to communicate the truth of the gospel to our kids. This is the instruction in the Lord. The discipline of the Lord. The instruction of the Lord. Dads, you got a great opportunity here to live this out right in front of your kids and instruct them in the ways of the Lord. Why? Why would we neglect this? I'm not suggesting that it's easy and that it's just, come on, you see it right in the Bible, do it. What's wrong with you? I know it's hard. I do. And the old saying, it takes a village to, never mind, you can fill in the rest. But it does. It takes many people. And so, Dad, you are primary. But don't deprive yourself of the great resources and helps that are available in the church and through your brothers in Christ. That's what God calls us to. When you speak to your children of God's love for them, when you explain to them that sin has separated them from God, but that God and his great love has provided a way. When you just share the gospel and you live that out with them, you are instructing them in the Lord. And there is so much joy to be had in that. Where else are they going to hear it? And where else are they going to see it? This is the privilege we have as Christian fathers. You need your kids to be excited about the gospel. Your level of enthusiasm, dads, about spiritual things will be the level of enthusiasm of your family. Case in point, if your kids see you dead on a Sunday morning but you come alive on the couch at 3.30 when the game comes on, something's really wrong. Your level of enthusiasm for things of God will be contagious The things that you're excited about, they're going to get excited about. The things that you drag your feet on, they're going to drag their feet on. You have the God-given privilege, and I believe that's the right word, to lead your family in spiritual things. Don't neglect it. Don't neglect it. Your excitement for the gospel will be contagious to your kids. Now, maybe you're hearing this and you're saying, good grief, I know I'm a dad. I mean, I, I'm, I work hard, I come home, whatever. What is the big deal? Why is this such a big deal? The big deal is because the world doesn't think this is a big deal. Which is proven in the statistics and the facts of fatherless homes. I did a little bit of research. I want to share with you just a couple of things. According to the United States Census Bureau... million kids are right now in homes without a dad or with a dad who is unengaged. That's one in four, roughly. Statistically speaking, children who grow up without a dad engaged and present are more than 60% more likely to engage in criminal activity, to be incarcerated, drug addiction, childhood health problems, uh, hesitancy to commit to things. The list goes on and on and on of the negative consequences. In each of these situations, it's been proven that children who grow up with an invested, active father are far more likely to succeed in those areas. And these are not Christian researchers, by the way. These are secular sociologists trying to figure out what is going on in the world. Why are things the way they are? Well, we know why things are the way they are, right? Because we have rejected the Word of God. (laughs) Fathers are selfish, by and large, and just want what they want. Don't interrupt me. And as a result of that absence of a dad, the world is the way it is. I'm not saying that's the only reason. I'm just saying it's a big reason. So you say, why is this important? That's why it's important. Dads, we are the backbone of our family. It is our responsibility to teach, to train, to discipline, to encourage, and to set the example in our homes. The evidence is all around us of the negative consequence of our usurping that duty. So I want to encourage you this morning. If if you hear some of this stuff and you're like, yeah, yeah, i got to make a couple changes, then praise God. Do that. Do the right thing. Study the word. Find out what God has for you and do it. And if you hear this and you're saying, it's just a reaffirmation of, yeah, I know I got to do this. I just want to do better at it. Then praise God. Keep doing the right things. Keep going. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. I'm exhausted by it. But God gives the strength through his spirit. Remember what Jesus said in John 15? He says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. The only way, dads, that we are going to live up to the standard that God has given us, the only way that we will parent our kids in a way that honors him, is if you abide in Christ. Take your cues from him, learn from him, humbly ask him for help, and by his Spirit, he'll help you and he'll empower you for this work. So fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Let's pray as we come to the table. Father, thank you for your word, and thank you for your truth. Thank you for the hope of redemption and forgiveness because we so often fail. Not just with parenting and and fatherhood, but In every area, Lord, we we fall short of your standard. And so I confess my own shortcoming to you, Lord, and ask that you would forgive me. And I pray that for every husband and father here, as we consider the role in which you have called us to, whether we are currently fathers or we desire to be fathers one day or, or whatever the case, Lord, give us strength to be faithful to your word. Thank you for the promise of your forgiveness when we fail and also the promise of strength to walk in obedience to you. So Father, we thank you for this. We pray for your help. And I ask for every father in this room that you would strengthen them now for this task. Pour out your spirit upon them and anoint them for this work. Would our church be full of households that are led by strong, godly men who fear you and who honor you in the way that they raise their children. Lord, I pray for the glory of your name and for the good of this church. Amen.